Guys, I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. How's everyone doing today? I'm standing in today for the uh, Tom, Mr. Tom Ficklin Today Show. Uh, my name is Donald McCauley. I'm excited to be here today. This is not my first time uh, working on my, uh, my radio presence, but I'm glad to be here today. Um, the topic for today, we're going to talk about Black male mental health. Um, this is one of my research topics as I've been going through the research field the past couple of years. And I also brought a special guest today, or maybe so we can have a dis- discussion. Um, Frank Brady, um, world-renowned mo- uh, motivational speaker, um, spends most of his time right now advocating for social mental health uh, broadly. Um, and so I would like for him to introduce himself and then we'll kind of get into the dialogue. Hello everyone, this is Frank E. Brady. Um, it's an honor and privilege to be on the show. Um, major shout out to Tom Ficklin. Uh, it's been definitely a long-term supporter of mine. Um, I am an educator, former school teacher. Um, I spent eight years in New Haven Public Schools doing culture and climate work. I'm a big advocate for uh, mental and emotional health and wellness and social emotional wellness as well. And a lot of my work is, is dedicated to creating spaces of vulnerability and connections for, in, in order for folks to heal um, and become the best versions of themselves. So with that being said, um, he obviously was very generous and didn't go to his full catalog of how he's traveled the world and done the same work. Um, we want to start by unpacking the conversation around mental health. Um, I'll start with him and being in the space um, for a lot longer. Um, but how would he define um, mental mental health um, and mental wellness? Great question. Uh, what I think of mental health, first and foremost, I literally think of it as like, the health of your mind state and having the tools necessary to cope with life's issues um, regarding how do you regulate your thought processes? How do you respond to stress? um, How do you problem solve through life? And what are your mental um, and emotional reactions to situations that happen to you? Are they healthy? Um, Are they regulated? You know, that's how I look at mental health. And then just mental wellness is like, Um, I would look at it, mental wellness for me is a holistic approach. Um, When I think of mental wellness, I think of physical wellness. I think of emotional wellness, um, um, psychological wellness, right? Mental wellness is the mind, the body, spirit, and the soul. And so you said a lot. So I want to try to unpack some of that, what you said. So we talk about the mental health, the attitudes, um, the skills that are available to the individuals but holistic, holistically, the mind, body, and spirit. Yes. And so specifically, we're both black men. I, I, well, I, I'm self-defining as a black man. Um, and I think Frank has too. Yes. I think one of the um, things what we want to do today is unpack um, questions or suggestions or discussions that are had around how do black men um, establish quality mental health? And I think it's important that we kind of start the specific conversation by at least defining um, what the what mental health looks like. Um, 
for my person, I will give something more anecdotal. So I think the conversation around mental health and why it becomes a concern is that for many black males live in a society that is plagued by systemic racism, anti-black systems, um, and also push them on the phrase um, of ideas about certain masculinities. And so as they attempt to practice ideas around masculinity or practice attitudes around what it means to be a black man, I think that there is um there are some there are there are two systems that are actually running that they 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 never they're parallel but they never intersect and that becomes problematic because some parts of masculinity would suggest that black men do not have to think about those specific spaces and have to think about healthy coping strategies and also their black maleness would suggest that we do not have the time or privilege to actually focus on these things and i think we've had this conversation before um but also thinking about the privilege that many have to actually have the services and the time to focus on their mental health. How do you how do you process that? So I mean that's all that's layered, right? And I, I think to start off again, you know, I look at mental health from like a, a perspective of, you know, your mental, your psychological, you know, your physical well-being, right? Like your perception, your behavior, all of those things go in tow. And in general, when we're thinking about mental health right now and where we are in, in society and the access to resources, which are so necessary, one, um, the conversation has changed to where it's more of a, it's starting to become a general conversation. Um, I think uh, largely, in, in fact, due to the pandemic, because, you know, I like to look at the pandemic as the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. Right. So across the board, even before we get into how it affects us as black men across the board, um, just from a people based perspective, um, we were all in a, a, a space where we had to deal with anxiety. Right. Anxiousness. Um, we when the pandemic hit, it disrupted our lives. And. When we look at trauma and how that's defined, a literal basic working definition of trauma is anything that overwhelms your ability to cope, right? And it looks different for different people, right? Something that causes trauma in one person's life isn't the same that causes it in another person's life, right? Whatever overwhelms your ability to cope. So yeah, think about it. Like our life cycles, our commerce, um, our businesses, our personal lives were disrupted and upended by the pandemic. So every there's just about the whole world experienced some type of trauma when it came to that. If you didn't experience it in your business, you experienced it in your personal life. You had to stay home with your family. You didn't have work, you didn't have school for a little bit, you know, uncomfortable conversations come up, came up, people had to sit with themselves. And sometimes those are the most uncomfortable moments. You really have to sit with yourself, right? So everyone across the board was experienced some type of disruption, right? Now to, 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 to take it further, take I look at it like the world experience what it is to be a black man on a daily basis, mm -hmm. consistent space of disruption, consistent space of anx anxiousness, consi consistent space of vigilance, right? Um, you know, having to shift behavior at, 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 at all times, right? Have to be ready to shift behavior, you know, and for black men, the conversation is so near and dear to me because a lot of us, even before the pandemic, dealt with things like emotional suppression, right? Suppressing mm -hmm. emotions, 
which is called what metroflexion is when you suppress emotions to yourself. And when you suppress emotion, it's like turning a knife back into yourself. Mm. And because we are constantly in this space of being guarded and having to be on guard because of what life and society throws at us as black men, that armor that we wear, you know, causes us to metroflect, right? And suppress emotions. It's almost like the, the we call it the Superman complex, you know? So mm. across the board as black men, not only were we impacted by the pandemic and the, the, the issues we deal with with race in this country, um, specifically what we deal with was black men and race and emotional vulnerability or not having spaces to be vulnerable because of the fear of um, not being understood or having that vulnerability weaponized against us, right? It's, it's kind of pushed us into the space we are right now, literally, where the conversations on black male emotional wellness are happening more frequently because it's been, we've been, it's kind of like they've been pushed to the edge and society, the situations that have happened, the pandemic, um, what has happened with like the loss of black men um, through, by police officers killing black men. So that's um, what, that's what this, so, so, so I was so going, I was going, he, he, he was going. So I just, before I want to yeah, make me, sure we can simmer it down, get it, get it on. So I'm sorry, my apologies. <laughs> you get very passionate. Like, so, so, so let's not, right. so not, not, you're not lost. So I think mm-hmm. one of the things that you describe, you describe the pandemic happening and equating it specifically to the black male experience. Yes. And so that the world had a, had an insight to the black male experience, but we also see, as you got to the point of, we see the police brutality at the same time. We see George Floyd, mm-hmm. we see other issues that were still happening across this country. Yep. And so the black man is still in the position that he was before. So while there may be opportunity for some to potentially feel empathetic, um, I would say that's more catharsis in that we have went back outside, still revisited numerous issues across this country um, that still see black men, black women um, still being physically accosted. Um, we still have systemic issues. And so I, the reason I think that while we unpack the conversation, not just about what the strategies are, what mental health is, um, because I think there's a milieu of things that are actually happening. We have some 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 complex gumbo. And, and to your specific point about mental health, I remember reading a piece and it talking about when you keep individuals in a state of disarray or confusion, it's harder to react. Yes. And, and, I, and I think that there's prime examples of when you startle somebody and, they're, and they're, they, they freeze, it's harder to actually move and decide what those specific actions are yes. at a at a at a physical, at a at a mental, at a emotional, and back to the point of the privilege, the privilege to reflect on on uh, my emotions, my feelings, my time and space, because time is so finite. And I think at many times we talk about um, this um, presence of fear or this presence of establishing safe spaces or this presence of closure. And so when the closure happens, many individuals are trying to figure something out without the actual space to figure out how to cultivate. And I think in in your profession, what have been some healthy things that you've seen? um, And I say specifically for Black men um, and also their Black masculinity, because these things are distinctly different. Yep, yep, yep. So I think one, in my space, what I've seen one of the anchor points, trust, right? 
trust, integrity, accountability. Those have been three keys with establishing safe spaces for black men. You have to build trust, right? Um, how do you build trust? Integrity, do you do what you say you're going to do? Or if you cannot do what you say you're gonna do, do you take ownership of that and make a new promise, right? Are you accountable, right? Can you be, you know, if you can't do what you say you're gonna do, right? Do you take accountability for that? If you are wrong, do you take accountability? Do you own up to that? Because those things are what build the credibility, what build the trust, right? And those things have to exist for black men to be vulnerable and specifically, and this is very important to lock into, is because integrity, accountability, trust builds safety. And when you have safety built in and created, then you have a safe space for a black man to, to be vulnerable. And that safe space is also there for, to protect that his masculinity, right? Um, the masculinity that has to protect him from life, from situations, protect family members, right? Um, and once that vulnerability can feel safe and protected, right, then there's a lot of emotional release that happens there. So what if, so to that point, so what if I said that the mental state of black men right now is a propagated manipulation, meaning that individuals start to try to find safe spaces mm -hmm. as a as a as a as a matter of coping yeah but are also blamed for actually going into hibernation or actually stepping away because the reality in the existence is that they may be in hostile territories mm -hmm. and and they're asked to say well if, if any other group is in hostile territory this is a normal reaction mm -hmm. um but then like I think it's more of a learned question. Can black men be considered victims? Oh, definitely. Black men can definitely can be considered victims and are, I believe, are considered victims, but it's not generally the conversation because when, when you look at black manhood and black male masculinity, there's this perception of a Superman complex, right? Um, strong, durable tough durable wow durable right you know that's heavy yeah very durable if you i look at like the perception of black men being vi victims is that there's the space isn't allowed for that right and generally it's not as it's not allowed for that it's not allowed in the media for that right um it's not allowed in the news for that everything is hyper masculine you know that that i look at it like this um just because you can take a bullet doesn't mean you want to take a bullet just because you can survive it doesn't mean that you have you want to deal with the pain of it what was the guy from a netflix um the the the, the marvel marvel guy that his Luke super, cage his superpowers was stopping bullets yes yeah this so you can stop all the bullets but that doesn't mean it doesn't take a toll from you from always being shot at right and as a black man, man, like that's where the piece of, well, okay, well, you're not a victim because you can take it. You know, you're not a victim because you're durable. You're not a victim because you can outlast the pain of whatever you're dealing with. You always, you stand back up. You're strong, strength. Even strength has its limits. I, I find, I, I, and I know that I find those analogies 
hard to deal with. I know that they exist. And I say hard to deal with mm-hmm. because you have the superhero mentality. Um, but but to be a superhero is also to be um, inhuman. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we, we, when we talk about the emotion and stuff, we talk about humanity work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we but we we have to, I don't know, comport ourselves into into these personas of being a superhero um, to, and I, and I say that this, 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 because that's the, we, in, we indoctrinate ourselves to be superheroes, mm-hmm. which later on says, well, John Henry had a kryptonite. So mm-hmm. you have the John Henry, it was like, well, mm-hmm. you hearts explode, health issues, yeah. right? like those. And then now yeah. we, we go back to the mental, we go to the medical space. It's like, you're not going to get treatment because I don't really know how this is going. How this is going to work? Because there is a level of distrust, and so it's, it's almost like mm-hmm. to, to your point. It's like I say, if there's systemic issues, there's propagated manipulation. Then on on all the sides, mm-hmm. then where is trust to some degree? Because there's there's valid reasons to not trust, but it would mm-hmm. almost be insane or almost um, personally ignorant to trust spaces that are showing you what their expectation is of you. Right, right. It's kind of like catch twenty two. Catch twenty two. I'm showing you who I am, and you're expecting a different result. But I'm showing you who I am, right? I I am showing you that I've hurt you, and I continue to cause you pain. But you're going to me fine and trying to ask ask for like a different result, right? That's why I look at it like when we talk. So to answer this, I look at it like this, right? Um, that's why in the three P's, how all systems move. People, process, policy, right? Mm-hmm. The most important thing in that is having the people in place to 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 create the process that shifts policy, mm-hmm. right? Because all of these are, are structured, right? So I, I look at these things as, as a people based issue, right? So a black man goes into, and this tie this really ties together, right? Because this 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 black man goes to the doctor, right? Um, now depending on the doctor, mm-hmm. they're gonna provide them a certain type of care, right? Depending on if the doctor understands the cultural background of the man, the black man, the doctor's black, or the doctor is someone that has had a lot of work with black people and then tried to immerse in culture, right? They're gonna see certain things different, right? They might not, if you're having, you know, if you have, if you have blood pressure issues, they might not be so quick to prescribe, prescribe medication, which may cause some adverse effects. They may actually say, okay, well, we need to get you on a workout regimen, right? Um, maybe it's a shift in the diet because of what you eat, right? We're gonna take a more, you know, holistic approach before we put you on medication. That comes into the trust. Mm-hmm. So now let's just say you come back to the doctor a couple months later and your blood pressure is more stabilized without the medication, right? Um, that doctor's probably able to do that because they have experience with black men, they have experience with understanding the culture, being not so quick to prescribe just medication, but let's try and actually bring you down. I, I have an understanding of you. That's that trust piece, right? Having the right people in there to shift the process, mm-hmm. you know? Now, it would be great if that can change into policy and it's like, okay, well, let's do a more um, health-based, holistic approach before we just over-medicate mm. Black men, right? People policy, people process policy, shifting like that, right? Um Okay, so so all right, I'm not not the people. So we got so we 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 the gun we're mixing the gumbo right now. So mm-hmm. so we talk about trust and policy and system and process. Yep. So in the conversation about 
like faith-based practices, mm-hmm. spiritual practices. And we we obviously we don't just talk about a try, we talk about faith. Mm-hmm. How do we see that um playing into the conversation about this 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 gumbo and individuals mm-hmm. thinking about the mental health for specifically black men? Yeah, man. Woo! Ooh, that's a strong one right there. I believe that this is personal, right? It's this, my this. personal perspective. I believe that your faith and whichever faith that you ascribe to, right? Be it um, Christian, um, Muslim, Judaism, you know, or, you know, any, any faith practice, Buddhist, whatever faith practice you um, ascribe to in a healthy way should encourage you to utilize services, mm-hmm. should encourage you to u- utilize people that are operating in their gifts, whether it be in medicine, whether it be in fitness, whether it be in psychological and psychiatric care, whether it be in therapeutic services, right? It should encourage you to do that because the problem is with a lot of faith-based practices that sometimes um, those who participate um, in those practices are encouraged not to be rooted in the reality of what's happening to them, Mm. right? Where for me is- Not to be rooted in the reality of what's happening to me, right? Whereas for me is if I took in my personal perspective, you know, uh, you know, I, I believe in the Bible and, you know, faith without works is dead, mm-hmm. right? So you have a situation. Yes, you have the faith, but what's the work behind it? Mm-hmm. There's practical and tangible work that can be, you know, that can be, you know, done. Um, and we all have different gifts. And those gifts should be able to help us move forward and heal and become whole. So you already know my pain on it. So, yeah. so I, I bring that up specifically because I, I think that we've seen a shift in our in our pro-therapy space mm-hmm. that also incorporates spiritual practices yeah. under under whatever umbrella the religion actually falls under. Mm-hmm. And I be, think it becomes a very essential thing because everyone has specific gifts to your point. Mm-hmm. And so in, in one's divine work and divine purpose and divine mission, mm-hmm. um, it is required of individuals to need educators and guidance. And I think yes. my, I will always proclaim that the reality is that we we are given responsibilities that are outside of ourselves and it is our task and our earlier objective mm-hmm. um, to either seek that out, to develop that, to cultivate it mm-hmm. so that you can be able to do the work that you may be able to do that you've been called for. Right. And and, and, and merging those realities so that mm-hmm. whatever our whatever our mission or mm-hmm. ministry may be, mm-hmm. whether it be in the community, whether it be in the school, whether it be at the institution, whether it be a, to be a disruptor of systems that challenge one's humanity, yeah. I think it's significant that there, I mean, I'm going to church, there's stories that will tell you like, this is, this is where you need to be, not just mm-hmm. the church, but actually the story. And as you're walking through life and having your moment, we talked about in, in between valleys. Mm-hmm. So I'm, we're so we're, we're we're mixing. So right now we've 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 talked about the the mental health, the mental wellness, mm-hmm. um, societal issues, process, religion, mm-hmm. um, and 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 healthy ways of viewing society. Um, I think that it's also good to talk about how do we both perceive. Um, one, what does it mean to be a black man, and how do we define our specific black masculinity? Mm, that's a good question. And um, for me, what it means to be a black man is to be 
rooted and connected in my cultural history, um, who I what who I am, where I've come from, right? My ancestors, my lineage, you know, um, it also means to be a black man means to understand the plight and the issues from a multifaceted perspective of what is impacting me as a black man, other individuals that identify as, as black men that have, may have a different experience culturally than me, um, whether they, you know, are foundational, mm -hmm. right? Big facts. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Found well, foundation of Black Americans. Yeah, foundation of Black Americans, or non foundational Black Americans, right? Um, being able to understand, listen, and learn from those perspectives become well, more well-rounded so I can communicate, not from a place of ignorance, but a place of understanding, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, and it also for me to be a Black man means that I advocate for Black men, for Black male freedom, for Black male equality, um, from black male wellness and wholeness. And about masculinity. And okay, in regards to black male masculinity, um, black for me, black male masculinity is having an understanding of, you know, when to be strong, when to be soft, right? Um, when to be a lion and when to be a lamb, you know, um, having a balance, right? Because I look at, for me, masculinity shows up in assertion, right? Um, taking up space, masculinity shows up in protectiveness. Like, you know, I look at myself as a protector. Um, my examples of Black masculinity stem from my grandfather, who was a protector, provider, right? Um, so how I'm able to do those as a Black man, do I create space of protection and safety? You know, um, do I have, for Black male masculinity, do I have Say spaces where I don't have my my friend Jay Barnett is a dope therapist. Yes. He says, um, "Does Clark does does Superman have a space where he can just be Clark Kent, or does he always have to have the cape on at all times?" And I think in this country, black male masculinity is you will you love me for my Superman, but you cannot give me space for my Clark Kent to be safe. Mm. Mm. That's black masculinity in this country. Um, I think it's I think it's tough. I mean, I think obviously I we've had these conversations over and over, and I think it becomes more clear that when you say you're a black man, um, I think about what my personal responsibilities are today, um, and and there's connections with other individuals that have some similar responsibilities that I have mm -hmm. and how I present myself. Um, it, I always try to make sure it's not oppositional with the world. So the world is fixated or it, it has a fixated system in which this is how it wants me to represent myself. And this is the representative I need to show up with. That's it right and, and I think that becomes questionable because you you have to be fluid or or like we say continue to be an avid learner mm -hmm. in understanding how to continue to grow and develop and and elevate yourself to the next level mm -hmm. and it's almost like me processing where I'm at emotionally holistically I have to figure it on the level right right of right. where it needs to be versus a perception of like oh I'm I'm a man now mm -hmm. because then it's, it almost makes it this this idea like I know I'm a man now. Which is different than I mean. I'm male. Mm -hmm. I have. I have. I can. I can reproduce. I can. Mm -hmm. I can. I can. But I'm like this. That's. That's. That's it. 
to be to be a man, a black man. It's like, well, then, what is the standard of reality that one needs to have to have their title? But does that mean that they they end the process? So for me, my masculinity, it's easier to define. Um, one because I've I've done the physical the physical portion of being in the gym, being the athlete, falling into the to the roles that were kind of I mean socially socially indoctrinated. Yeah, I know from from an athletic standpoint that we see at the K to twelve level we see a lot of boys being pushed into athletic activities versus yeah. our girls, and we we don't we yeah. now we see some of the vice versa, but you still haven't seen a large push pushing the black boys into writing, creativity, literacy, mm. writing. Yep. And that's a, that's a cultural concern. Comprehension. I was like, we did a panel for critical race theory, yeah. critical theory, critical consciousness, critical awareness. Yep. Um, and because there's a box and an idea. And so I've done that. Mm-hmm. And when you figured out how you do it well, I, my career has been good um, athletically, but you've done it to a point where you're not done. But some would say, hey, you, you've met the mark of where you need to be, um, just continue to stay on that on that level. But there's other advancing ideas about why your masculinity shows up in your in your fatherhood. And as you think about like my kids, they they love giving hugs. Eva is, is very affectionate. She always mm-hmm. I love daddy. And so you you show up in these ways where you start to see how intuitive they they are. And I always mm-hmm. think to myself, like, is it is, was I as intuitive or are they seeing me be intuitive now as I'm growing and maturing mm-hmm. in my manhood and masculinity that they're they're catching it at a, at a higher level versus saying like, oh, they, they have to go learn it on their own. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say, man, manhood is a manhood for a black man. Manhood isn't a destination. It's a process mm-hmm. that's ever continuing. Right. And. You know when we look at that process and how it's impacted, right? If we go back, I want to kind of go back to, to your, 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 your comment regarding, you know, like the indoctrination that we experience as black mm-hmm. men and, and where we're kind of herded towards sheep. Like black men, like sheep herded, right? Like we are herded towards sports, right? And even in our communities, especially like the inner cities, right? We are herded towards sports we are given access what to first and foremost sports the parks right the football fields you know those are what are readily available accessible the writing programs aren't as readily available and accessible right um the art programs aren't as readily available accessible right because our physicality is a lot of where our worth is based on as we're coming up as black men our physicality mm, so yeah 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 our, our, our physicality. So basketball, right? What we can do in a basketball court, um, what we can do on the football field, what we can do in a baseball field. And that has such an impact on us because what does it set us up to do that we are only valued for our bodies and what we can do with our bodies, right? And what does that also now segue into? Not only is it that we are only valued with our bodies and what we can do in our bodies, but even in when we talk about the issues that happen in our black communities across the country, especially in the city communities with gangs, with violence, issues like that. They're all based on what we can do with our bodies and we can negotiate the perception of how we perceive as strong, as tough, right? Because that becomes a currency. So everything in our currency is based on our physicality, right? And what we can do with our bodies, because really 
from perspective, and we, we go from a mental health perspective, we grow up not in control of anything around us. And the only thing that we control is our bodies and what we can do with them, mm-hmm. right? We don't control the systems we come up in, but we can darn sure control what we can do with our bodies and what we can utilize our bodies to do. Whether it's negotiating fear in the eyes of another man to, to equate some type of respect, right? Or negotiating my worth on the basketball court to gain respect, on the football field to gain respect, on, you know, in a fight to gain respect. All of it is that. And that is this, this survival mentality that we're in this relationship of survival with our bodies and we use our bodies to survive environments. So it's survivalism 100%. And it's like we grow, and this is why it's so crazy because we grow in this space of survival, utilizing our bodies. And what does that do to our minds? It keeps mm-hmm. us in this space of fight or flight. Okay, so, so I now, know I jumped. So, no, 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 you're right, no, you're right. But, this, yeah. but this, I, was, I was thinking this and I was saying, what does, it, what does it serve and what does it say that you live in a large society? So we, we, we're, we're mm-hmm. the, uh, we're at, Athens, where the games were in the in the arena, mm-hmm. that the world sees is fearful, aware, threatened, um, or or takes advantage of your or your bodily gifts, and they know exactly what it has to offer. They have a price for it. They mm-hmm. have a guy. They know what your labor is worth, right? Mm-hmm. But for the person to not know their worth is is also, I think, about the mental awareness mm-hmm. because everyone else seems to be aware. <laughs> Airplane mode. Man. Everyone seems to be aware of what those specific gifts are right. and, and the cost and value of them. And I think that part of that uh, mental health and that mental awareness, um, critical awareness, is that if you knew your value, you would make sure you got more than market value, or mm. you would cre- or you would control the market mm. because you, to some degree, in, indirectly, you do control the market. And, and indirectly, and indirectly, you do control the yep. market, but you don't profit from the market. Yeah. And I think that's part of the conversation. And I, I, I say I, we're still talking about mental health, mental awareness, because part of the conversation that I would say is not just the clinical piece of it. It's that what is the content that you actually discuss that helps you with your mental health and your mental awareness or your or your mental wellness? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it has to be a paradigm shift that is not just saying, let's go talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something that we need to talk about mm-hmm. that we can shift the paradigm in terms of how you're viewing yourself and yes. understanding one how do you capitalize on your own work mm-hmm. how do you be how do you decide to become creator how do you become a strategist in your own future versus waiting for someone to tell you what this is because there's a there's a line i believe there's a line i believe the line is right behind every door there there's a group of individuals that are here to tell you what your options could be and it's almost like these are just lines of, but it's like, when do you get out the line? Let me, I got it. You know what's interesting? <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's interesting. When you start the line of individuals getting ready to tell you, that doesn't feel any different from a slave auction, right? This is your price. Yeah, this is your price. There's a line of individuals waiting to tell you where you're going to go, determine your destiny, make decisions for your future, right? And that's what it also feels like, you know, like to be for sale or for consumption. You know, you know? some folks are saying it's a, I've heard someone say it. It's like, how do you, what is the price of your oppression that you want? Yeah. How do you, real. how do you, how do you, because, because there's all, because you never, I don't say think, it's so, it's so common to just say think outside the box, but it's right. easier to say something like, 
if all the deals are bad, then don't take a deal. Mm-hmm. Very easy to say that. But but some will say, hey, I may not get another chance. Right. So whatever's offer, I got to take something. Right. Yep. And I think that's a that's a hard in in in, in, in a business sense that's problematic. Mm-hmm. When you you hit these offers and none of the offers are good, but you feel pressured, you have anxiety, you have impulse to say, I have to get something. Yeah, that's because the, that's the anxiousness, that's the survival. Because you walk talking. away, you walk away with nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people may a small amount of folks may have the luxury of walking away with nothing. A small, minute section. But for most of us, the reality is we have to walk away with something that we can turn it, turn it into something greater, right? I'm, I'm just thinking like in terms of people talking about the financial literacy, how do you think about when you buy the house, the mortgage? Well, or well let's the, think about, well, now let's, 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 let's go into this because I like, I like this piece, right? Because when you look at black male mental health, anything that impacts and overwhelms our ability to cope is trauma, right? So if you think about from a financial perspective, right, and why financial literacy is so important, because nothing messes up your ability to cope more than being broke or being poor, right? Puts you in a constant state of having to figure things out, right? Um, if you can't manage your money the right way, it creates more stress that impacts, that stress impacts your body, your heart, your mind, your brain, right? Um, financial literacy is also for me mental health, right? Because it impacts our behavior, right? It impacts Cognitive, our thought processes, the way we think through things, it impacts how we make decisions. So, so, right, so, so I, I got the, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about the word trauma and your definition. Mm-hmm. So, what would you define any stress that overloads our abilities? Mm-hmm. You become traumatic. So, is that trauma? Yeah, it becomes a traumatic. If we can't cope with it. If it's overloads and overwhelms our ability, remember, overwhelms our ability to cope. That's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. that's why I cut that out. So what are stressors that overload our abilities? Because I because I get back into the fitness space where mm-hmm. it's like, in order to get stronger, you have to li- you have to have an overload. Yeah. But what happens if that overload, like let's just say if you are on the bench press, right? And you're benching over your capacity, right? But what if, what if the bar drops on you? But that's the spotter. That's the spotter. What if you don't have a spotter? That's so. That's the part. I, I think that's part of one of the questions that I asked. And now you have an injury that sends you to the hospital, or I mean, it ain't that probably they don't they don't get that crazy. Yeah, but just just saying, just saying, right? Like, but you have an injury of some sort, or if you're squatting and you tear a muscle, right? That becomes trauma now. You know, trauma literally on the body. And I, so, I, so I think, and I'm trying to, this, we're at a great segment of like the analogy because we obviously, you can tell them about your, your, your history and track and field mm-hmm. um, and the difference between like a, a strain and a mm-hmm. break. Because, tear. because a, and even today, it might, the tear is not, and I'm, I'm trying to make this specific analogy and metaphor back to a tear is, happens i mean you have micro tears when you lift all the time mm-hmm. if your muscles sore i mean it's torn yeah but you're not it's not traumatic it's not trauma mm-hmm. and so understanding like what are those healthy levels about how we understand and i'm, I'm saying that specific because yeah. we say well he, yeah when i got sore well that's not trauma. That's it's true. like you, well you you it might feel like yeah. the difference between pulling your acl and, and you straining a muscle yeah it's two different you might even have to take a day off for that yeah so and having those specific spaces thing like what are good 
metaphors and ideas how we think about like those specific analogies because mm-hmm. someone else my coach is gonna be milkman you're like well something small like that maybe yeah. some maybe someone's overload it might be and that's the thing right Perce- and i think that's perception per- perception, perception makes a difference huge. perception is huge because you know I'm, I'm a former you know track athlete myself and i can remember i remember i don't remember my strains of my hamstring but i darn sure remember when i pulled my hamstring mm-hmm. right Strain is going to take me out a day or so. I could, you know, I could lightly, I could cope with that. Mm-hmm. But coping with a pull, especially depending on his championship time, you know what I'm saying? Conference time, regionals, national, like that takes me out of the game, right? You got to look at it like, what does your recovery look like? Like when I look at trauma, um, there's three E's, right? Um, there's the event. That initially happens, right? Mm-hmm. The initial event. And then there's your experience of the event. Mm-hmm. Like what? It's just because it happens to you, now how are you experiencing it, right? And then the last e, event, experience, and then the effects, mm-hmm. right? So you can have an event that, depending on how you're responded to, will kind of um, dovetail or curve the trauma, right? The, you know, your experience with it. What do you, Are you supported? Are you by yourself, right? And then now how you're recovering or dealing with it is the effect, right? And then the effects, those tell a different story, you know? Trauma, when it's treated, when it happens, makes a big deal on what the long-term effect is, right? That's what they call anyone that's around the space that's dealing with you um, in that time period, when you're first impacted, hurt, whatever, physically, mentally, emotionally, those are first responders, right? And those first responders can have an impact on the effects, the experience, and the experience will not impact the effects of what, what, what happens to you going forward or the, the, the mark that leaves on you. You see what I'm saying? Um, so if we look at it like that, from that perspective, if I pull, tear, my hamstring, like full out, I'm on crutches mm-hmm. type thing, right? Or I can't, I can't squat, I can't do all of that. And that takes me out, right? And messes me up to the point where I am in, I can't be in a championship race, which actually happened to me one time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So guess what? I got a road to recovery, right? My experience with that is different because the circumstances around me, right? I'm pretty sure my pull would be less difficult to recover from if it was at the beginning of the season versus towards the end of the season. True. So what are the influence, what are the factors going on around in the moment where I tear, right? Or I pull up and I'm, I'm messed up. What's going on around me? Because that's going to influence, that's the experience. That's going to influence the effect, right? So they're all, they're variables when it comes to this. I'm thinking about the, that road. And so mm-hmm. that that's a long road. I mean, I'm it could be, a, yeah. It's a long road and it's a longer road to recovery depending on the circumstances around what happens. If I pull my hamstring right, I'm okay. So so this is so here, here we go. So I think, and I know we 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 getting up there in time. So yeah. I think so it's a good segue to think about the conversation that I think we said we mentioned the word, you mentioned the word before. Um your your representative showing up mm-hmm. and also the question around vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And and I think we've talked through through it enough to understand why there are representatives that that connect specifically 
to the context of one's mental health, one context of one's maleness, yes. one's um, a masculinity. Mm-hmm. Because I need to, I need a representative to keep me away from being vulnerable and trusting in yes. spaces yep. that potentially will not support my greater good. Yep. It's, it's not a safe space. Yep. And so, and I, I think it'd be, that's why I think I use, I use the term um, uh, propagated manipulation mm-hmm. is that to have a system that that operates in those specific ways, mm-hmm. it would make sense why you would why would you would have to put a cape on, or someone mm-hmm. say put the mask on, or put your emotional callus on, like how like I have to develop this specific thing. So I, I say that to kind of actually like how do we? Again, when I talk about just all we talked about resolutions, but the idea of like the representative that yep. shows up, yep. um, and and how do we understand that while we're also I believe individuals mm-hmm. want to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. but there's a consequence. There is. With, with vulnerability. Vulnerability is a risk, right? It can be a risk. You know, you have to, so I'll say like this, right? When we talk about the representative, especially as black men, man, our representative is out there to let us know, is it safe for me to put the shield down or do I have to keep the shield up? Is it safe for me to, Put my sword to the side. Do I have to keep my sword sheathed and ready to pull it just in case? Right. I, I said this a, a, a long time ago. So I was speaking to some black boys in Boston. To be a black man in America is to have your fist cocked, loaded, ready to ride. Right. Until you get to a space where you don't have to have your fist cocked, but you still come into that in a defensive stance. Right. You show up. Your representative shows up as defense. Right. Um, and that is like a reality for so many of us, that representative. And now what happens to that representative? They identify, are these people safe? Is this, is this space safe? What does safety look like? Um, are they open, right? How are they dealing with other people? We're very observant. We observe, we peak game, we observe spaces before we let ourselves even get remotely vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, our representatives are there to be observers. And then when they observe the spaces, okay, say, what does it look like? This trust, this trust going on. Other men are being examples, right? Of being vulnerable and you're watching those interactions. How is that received? So, right? I, okay, so so uh, here you go. I, I've been to one of my, re- name a safe space. Okay. Um, just any do specific, do, specific, specific, just or just general generality is specific. Not not what it means. Name a safe space. We had to go like, all right, this is this is a safe space. Okay, uh, a safe space is me with my boys, mm-hmm. right? My brothers talking about you know life and what's impacted us, right? Because we built those bonds, um, you know, those bonds over time. Loyalty bonds based on loyalty, right? Loyalty, trust, integrity, accountability, like. Those pieces. So, you know, barbershops. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbershops. I like your barbershop. I like your barbershop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbershops. Shout become, barbershop. shout, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to All Star Barbershop, man. Let's say that. Barbershops are safe space, especially barbershops. Barbershops are such a cornerstone with Black male safety because brothers will open up some things in a barbershop. Barbers can be low key therapists. But I think about that because we also know that we're also we also have the other conversations of the the, the um we'll have in the barbershop talk we all we're not you got to get you got to find your loyalty and trust in the space before mm-hmm. you 
But when you normally come in there, it's like, y'all can be talking about anything. Yeah. But think make- about the relationship between a man and his barber. Right? Some folks not loyal. They be getting barbers every week. Yeah, I, I can't, man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very locked into my man. Shout out to Trav. I see you. You always, you know, get me right. <laughs> um, but a, a barber is so powerful because he can restore a man's self-esteem with a haircut. Wow. You know what I'm saying? He can restore a man's image with a haircut. Right? Their, their, their self-awareness, their, self, their self-reflection can shift with a haircut. You right. And think about He's a barber. When you sit in a barber's chair, their job is to transform you, transform your image, right? And a lot of times when you're going through a process of transforming your image, you know, that is all you also release a lot. You can tend to release things, mm-hmm. right? Because you feel safe. He's making you feel safe. Or she, boom. We 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 could have won longer. Um, not we're gonna try to wrap it up real quick. Um, I want to make sure we get an opportunity for um Frank just probably share his handles. I can share my work. Um, but we actually have probably one minute left. So as we get ready to close things out, I mean, that was kind of a, sorry, it was abrupt, um, but um, we had an excellent time. Um, I hope we, we did Tom proud in terms of what we did today and, and the topic of the conversation yes. um, from those viewers that were watching today. I hope that things were not triggering. If there's other things that are, that you want to discuss, please feel free to reach out to Tom. Um, your handles. Um, you can get to me all on my website is www.frankthelettereebrady.com, frankiebrady.com. Um, Instagram at my handle is Frank, the letter E and Brady, Frankie Brady. Um, you just YouTube me, Frank E. Brady on everything. If you're looking to get in contact with me, just contact Frank's handle. <laughs> um, with that being said, we had an excellent time. Um, we hope everyone's doing well out here. Hopefully enjoy the week and that today was a good kickoff. Um, please share, share, share. Um, if you can. And again, we hope that uh, keep yourself right, keep yourself healthy and keep yourself loyal to the circles that are available to you. Definitely. Have a good one. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. Cause this is my road. Camera action, I'm ready to go.